In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. The month of November begins with the Feast of All Saints, November 1st, and then as we saw, it's followed by the Memorial of All the Faithful Departed, November 2nd, also called All Souls Day. And so in November, we are encouraged to pray for the souls of the dead, the souls of the faithful who have gone before us, but who didn't go straight to heaven because they weren't completely purified of their sins. Their soul wasn't ready to see God directly yet. And so they have to go to purgatory to be capable of enjoying God in heaven. They need to work out in their soul the damage that that sin did to them. And God in his mercy and in his wisdom has ordained that our prayers can help the dead in purgatory, the holy souls in purgatory, can help them come to heaven quicker. That our prayers, our appeals to God's mercy can help him expedite and, and shorten their stay in purgatory so they get to heaven more quickly. And also in the, in the month of November, this leads us to consider our own mortality, to consider our own fleetingness in this life, that this life will come to an end. And when we consider that, it's important that we also consider the flip side of that, which is eternal life and, and particularly God's eternity. Eternal life, if we get to heaven, either directly or through purgatory, will be a participation, a kind of direct participation in the life of God, union with God forever. The Psalms help us to pray about this, to reflect on it. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This is from Psalm 90. And it's such a helpful, it's such a helpful consideration, such a helpful thought. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is totally stable and God is all powerful and all good. God always has been, is now, and always will be God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We're reminded of this when we pray that doxology, the glory be. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 90 goes directly from this consideration of God's eternity, God's everlastingness, to our own mortality, to our own finitude. You turn us back to dust and say, Turn back, you mortals, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. 
You sweep them away, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. The days of our life are seventy years, or perhaps eighty if we are strong. Even then their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. A thousand years in the sight of God, compared to eternity, is like a watch in the night, or like yesterday when it is past, almost less than nothing. You sweep them away, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning, in the evening it fades and withers. And so compared to eternity, compared to God's everlastingness, this life, the life that we live united to this body, in this temporal order, this world as we know it, is passing. And this life, even if it's long, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever, is very brief compared to eternal life. There was a great preacher in New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, who preached there um, in the beginning of the 20th century. He was a Protestant preacher in Princeton. And he coined the phrase, time is short, eternity is long. Time is short, eternity is long. Right? Helping people to live this life as it is, as, it's, as it truly is, which means ordered towards eternity. The ancient emperors in Rome, when they had a successful campaign and conquered opposing armies, they would come back into Rome and have that that triumphal entry into Rome, a triumphal march or parade. And they would be they would be surrounded by adoring crowds and and they'd be in this this chariot which would go through the the triumphal arches of Rome and and uh, there's a joke that you know they were so proud that they would duck their head as they as they went through this gigantic arch that was many many feet over their head and there was one detail there that that um, is fitting for our consideration the emperors would have a slave in their chariot with them and the slave would be close to them and he'd be repeating a phrase he would say memento mori memento mori which means remember that you will die or less literally remember that you are mortal remember death and so was trying to help that emperor have a true perspective on life that in spite of the fact that he was being treated as kind of a a god as something eternal the slave was there to remind him that just like that slave, he too was mortal. That all of this would come to an end. To try to keep it in, in perspective. And this is an important consideration that, that death, the fact that our life is going to have a hard stop at some point. The fact that it has a limit. And beyond it is eternal life. This helps us keep a true perspective on life. It helps us see things in the true perspective that they have, which is the perspective of, of eternity, not just of this life, as if this life were an end in itself, but the perspective of this life 
en- as an entrance, as a as a step, as a gateway into eternal life, into the life of God. And if we lose that, if we lose the horizon of eternal life, we lose perspective. The things in this life become too big. They become monstrous. They become too important. Right? The worries become overwhelming and the pleasures become like idols and the desires become like desires that that would make us happy, but they're really not. And we lose all sorts of perspective. And so we need the horizon of eternity to see things rightly in this life, to appreciate their value, but their relative value compared to heaven. This is the perspective of our faith. Lord, we ask you to help us keep this perspective. It's, this, it's the perspective that God has revealed to us in our faith. We recite this and we make an act of faith in it every week at Mass in the Nicene Creed. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Right? This And it, it's interesting. It's something we look forward to. It's something we're positively hoping for. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Time is short. Eternity is long. I like to joke that um, life is like a horror movie. We're all in this together and no one gets out alive. Right? That there's the sense that like you have in those horror movies, someone will turn to someone else or to a group of people and say, we're all going to die. And it's true, right, that unless our Lord comes first, which will be a different a different experience, we're all going to die. We're mortal men, memento mori. And our Lord Jesus Christ, you, Lord, tell us about this. You tell us about this so that we can live our life well, so that we can put the right emphasis on the right things. For what does it profit a man, our Lord asks, if he gains the whole world and suffers the loss of his own soul. St. Maria comments on this question of our Lord. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and suffers the loss of his own soul? What use to man are all the things of the earth, all that our intelligence and will can aspire to? What is the point of all that? If it is all to come to an end and sink out of sight, if all the riches of this world are mere theater props and scenery, and if after all this there is eternity forever and ever and ever. Right? What's the, the, the point is right, what's the point of, of worldly goods in themselves if they're just going to come to an end? What's the point of a life of pleasure if it's just going to end? What's the point of fame if fame will not last into eternal life? What's the point of worldly success or of vanity, right? The opinions of others. If that I can't take that with me into eternal life. What does it profit me, Lord, if I have all the goods of the world and I lose my soul, right? My soul ends up not where it should be in eternal life. The phrase forever, St. Josemaria goes on to tell a story of St. Teresa of Avila, The phrase forever made St. Teresa of Avila great. One day as a child, she set out from Avila with her brother Rodrigo. 
as they left behind the city walls, intending to reach the land of the Moors, where they could be headed, where they could be beheaded for the love of Christ, she kept whispering to her brother, who was beginning to get tired, forever, forever, forever. It's a, it's a great story, right? That, and you see the faith of children, the daring faith of Christian children. Like, what should we do today? Well, let's run away and and run to southern Spain and get beheaded by the Moors, right? And, and, and the idea is we'll go straight to heaven and we'll be happy forever and ever and ever. And as her brother got tired and was kind of sick of the game, young St. Teresa kept telling him, no, let's keep going, right? Forever, forever, forever. We'll be with God forever, forever, forever. One of her relatives saw her and her brother there on the outskirts of Avila and picked them up and brought them and brought them home. But that phrase, she went on to a, a, a tremendous life of, of daring and generosity and hope in God, doing wonderful things for God with a great courage because she had the sense time is short, eternity is long. What does it matter what I suffer in this life if I gain heaven, if I gain God forever, forever, forever? What does it matter if I live my life with a daring kind of love and suffer if I gain God and go to heaven forever and ever and ever? Time is short, eternity is long. And so, Lord, help me to see that the great difference between time, this life, and eternity, heaven, is a truth that's very liberating. If we really let this sink down into our mind, into our heart, into our, our feelings even, it frees us. It frees us to live this life with more daring, with more generosity, with that sense, who cares what happens to me? This life is like a blink of an eye compared to eternity. There's a phrase, Lord, that you speak in the book of Revelation, that book of the Apocalypse, which is helpful in this regard. Our Lord says, be constantly alert and strengthen the things that remain. That's great advice for our life. Strengthen the things that remain. The things that will last into eternal life. The things that will get us to our true home in heaven. That true patria that we have. That homeland. Which is heaven. Which is God. And what are the things that remain? Well, St. Paul tells us. He says, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so that's a great way of doing an examination of conscience to examine in our Lord's presence. Lord, how am I living my life? How are things going? A great way to do this is to ask myself, well, am I strengthening the things that remain? Am I putting my effort, my commitment into the things that will actually help me enter into eternal life at the moment that our Lord calls me from this life? Am I living a life of faith? Am I truly believing in all the teachings of the church? Am I truly believing in all the teachings of our Lord? Am I truly believing and trusting in God and in Jesus? Am I living a life of hope? Am I making heaven my end? And am I, and am I truly trusting of God's help to get me there? Or do I despair in the sight of my defects? Do I despair when I come up against difficulties in my own moral life or in the world around me? Am I living a life of faith? 
Am I living a life of hope? Am I living a life of charity? Am I trying to love you, Lord, above all things? Giving you the pole position in my life, giving you the best position I possibly can in my life by cutting out time just for adoration, just for prayer, by trying to see you and love you and the others in my life. This is how our Lord says he will judge us. What you have done for the least of these, my brethren, you have done for me. Am I strengthening, Lord, the things that remain? Our faith, hope, and charity, the primary motivators and goals and realities of my life. Time is short. Eternity is long. Another question we can ask ourselves is, well, am I living in the way that I want to be judged by God? As I live, I will die. And as I die, that's how I'll be judged by God. Am I putting too much value in temporal things as if they were eternal? In Psalm 39, we read, Lord, let me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a few hand breaths and my lifetime is as nothing in your sight. Surely everyone stands as a mere breath. Surely everyone goes about like a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. They heap up and do not know who will gather. Time is short. Eternity is long. My lifetime is as nothing in your sight. Psalm 39. And I think in a paradoxical way, <clears throat> that consideration is a great boost to our endurance, to our perseverance, to realize that whatever we have to go through here will not last forever. Nothing here will last forever. No experience will last forever, good or bad. There's, a, there's an old story in, um, in the uh, Jewish tradition of folklore I think it, that it dates back to like the 11th century or 12th century, something like that. This particular tale. It goes like this. King Solomon once searched for a cure against depression. He assembled his wise men together. They meditated for a long time and gave him the following advice. Make yourself a ring and have graved upon it the words, This too shall pass. The king carried out the advice. He made the ring and wore it constantly. Every time he felt sad and depressed, he looked at the ring, whereupon his mood would change and he would feel cheerful. This too shall pass as a kind of safeguard against despair, against depression that can be overwhelming. Right? Things will get better if I'm faithful to God, if I persevere. This situation will not last forever. More than that, God will bring God will bring some good out of this because that's what he does. That's who he is. That's how he loves us. He brings good out of our suffering. If we persevere, if we're faithful, if we don't give up hope. And that consideration, this too shall pass. Sadness, evil, deprivation will not have the last word.
Abraham Lincoln, of all people, liked this story, and he told the version of it in a speech after the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln said, It is said an Eastern monarch once charged his wise men to invent him a sentence to be ever in view, and which should be true and appropriate in all times and situations. They presented him the words, And this too shall pass away. How much it expresses, how chastening in the hour of pride, how consoling in the depths of affliction. This too shall pass away. And Lincoln makes an interesting point here. Lincoln says, it's not only helpful in, in the depths of affliction, right? Like this bad thing won't last forever, so I can, I, can, I can keep going, I can keep bearing it. He also says it's chastening in the hour of pride. That it that it tempers our reveling in our own excellence. It tempers and puts in perspective our enjoyment of good times in this world. The realization that they too will pass away. And that helps us, right, not to make an idol of the good times and the good things in this world. Not to put too much pressure on them for our for our happiness or for our peace, not to put too much weight or worth in our, in our own excellence or in our own temporal joy or in our own success. Why? Because this too shall pass. Right? This good time, this success, this career or whatever, it's not forever. There will come more difficult times or there will come the end when I have to be ready to enter into eternal life with the things that remain. The popes used to have the ceremony of um, the coronation of the pope when he when he uh, was installed as pope after being elected by by the cardinals, um, and and part of the ceremony was you know, the pope would be carried around in a in in, in a chair, right, representing the, the throne of Saint Peter, the chair of Saint Peter. And then another, you know, it was a lot of pomp and and um, pomp and circumstance, if you will. Um, a very, very kind of royal reception, all sorts of people, all sorts of music. And, and kind of like when the emperors came into Rome in that triumphal march, there was a reminder there for whoever the pope was. That um, that he shouldn't let this go to his head. And what they would do is they would, they would have a deacon light a, a a wick, a flaxen wick, which would burn and melt kind of quickly. And the deacon would say to the Pope, "Seek transit gloria mundi," which means, "So passes the glory of the world." Seek transit gloria mundi. So passes the glory of this world. So just like this wick is burning away and, and, and will soon be consumed, so to all the glory that you're receiving now, all of the praise that you're receiving now, all the respect and even adoration, veneration that you're receiving now will pass away. A reminder to the Pope 
to be humble in spite of the in spite of the treatment he was he was getting. Lord, help us to learn also these lessons. Remember that you will die, memento mori. Thus passes the glory of the world. Seek transit Gloria Mundi. Saint Jose Maria considers this in his Stations of the Cross. Let us drink to the last drop the chalice of pain in this poor present life. What does it matter to suffer for ten years, twenty, fifty, if afterwards there is heaven forever, forever, forever? And above all, what does suffering matter if we suffer to console, to please God our Lord, in a spirit of reparation united to him on his cross, in a word, if we suffer for love? And that's an important consideration, not just, well, we can put up with the sufferings in this life because we know heaven is waiting for us if if we don't despair, if we don't reject God, if we don't rebel against him in times of suffering. But also the question of, you know, what's the best thing I can do with suffering? Given that I'm going to suffer in this life, given that things are going to be hard, given that people I love are, are, are going to suffer and, and die and go through difficult circumstances. Given that I'm going to have different anxieties and worries about the way the world is going, the way the church is going, what's the best thing I can do with that, with those anxieties, with that suffering, with illness, with the suffering of my loved ones? And the answer is to turn it into love. This is what Jesus does on the cross with his suffering. He turns it into love. He turns it into something eternal. He turns it into something that saves souls and that leads to his own eternal glorification by the Father. And this is what he tells us to do with our sufferings. He says, If anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Time is short. Eternity is long. Strengthen the things that remain. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so the consideration of eternity doesn't just like make it easier for us to grin and bear it because we know that suffering, whatever it is, won't last forever. The contemplation of eternity also reminds us that, that God is love. God is charity. Deus caritas est. And God is eternal. Which means love is eternal. Which means that if I want my life to have eternal significance, if I want my soul and my life to become, to become something that, that belongs in heaven, that belongs with God, that is ready to be with God, I need to love as much as possible in this life. And suffering and sacrifice is an opportunity to love, to offer things back to God for how he's loved us, how he suffered for us, to offer things back to God for how people have offended him, to make up for our sins and the sins of others. Time is short. Eternity is long. Talking of heaven, C.S. Lewis says something that I always find funny, but also uh very apt. He says, heaven is an acquired taste. 
Right. Heaven is an acquired taste. So it's kind of like mustard when you're a kid or wine when you're a kid. Right. At first, you don't like it. As you get older, you learn to appreciate it. It's hard to believe that at any time in my life, I didn't like wine. But anyway, that's uh, it's probably true. And C.S. Lewis says, heaven is like that, that, that in order to enjoy God forever, we have to learn how to enjoy him here. In order to be pleased with God forever, the vision of God, we have to learn how to be pleased with him here. In order to love God forever and be happy loving God forever, we have to learn how to love him here. We have to acquire the taste for God, acquire the taste for heaven. And then that, that leads us once again, as we always return to, Lord, in your presence, it leads us once, to, once again to the importance in this life of prayer, of adoration, of moving our mind and our soul and our heart up to God, of raising our mind and our soul and our heart to God in prayer and adoration and silence, contemplation, loving our Lord by contemplating Scripture, loving our Lord by trying to contemplate Him directly, looking at him on the cross, looking at him in the tabernacle, thinking about God in his eternity, in his infinite goodness, putting our mind on God so that our will can follow and love him. And all that, that contemplative life, those practices of piety, is a way of acquiring the taste for heaven, learning how to love God here so we can love him forever in heaven. We go to Our Lady and we ask her, to help us have this great faith in eternal life. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Our Lady, our Mother, Queen of Heaven, help us to live with our our heart set on God and set on the things that endure to eternal life. Faith in God, hope in God, and love of God and others. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. 